It's time to go in the garden with host Peter Burke. In the Garden is brought to you by The Willie's Store, your true value hardware store near Caspian Lake in Greensboro. By Clausen's Florist Greenhouse and Perennial Farm, your full-service florist with more than 40 greenhouses in Colchester, Clausen's.com. By Guy's Farm and Yard, your neighborhood community feed, grain, animal, and yard store with locations in Morrisville, Montpelier, St. Albans, and Williston, guysfarmandyard.com. Grow compost, soils, mulches, and so much more on Route 2 in Waterbury, growcompost.com. P&R Lumber, your local lumber store on Route 15 in Wolcott. Menards Agway, your yard, garden, and pet place on Brooklyn Street in Morrisville. By Blossom Cottage Florist, top quality flower arrangements and more on Route 302 in Barrie, and Taste of the North online at tasteofthenorth.com. Linda's Apparel, bursting with vibrant colors, stylish accessories, sparkling jewelry, and the most captivating collections of ladies' fashions around on Main Street in Virgins. Jail Branch Greenhouse, perennials, annuals, soils, and more on Route 302 in Barrie. And your locally owned Agway store, seeds and feeds, and a whole lot more on Route 2 in Montpelier. Your phone calls are welcome at 802-244-1777 and toll free at 1-877-291-8255. Broadcasting live on WDEV FM and AM and streamed at WDEVradio.com. And here's your host of In the Garden, Peter Burke. <laughs> hey, Lee. Hey. What a beautiful day this morning is. Yeah, the morning is nice and mm -hmm. the clouds are rolling in. Absolutely. I think that's another John Denver song. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Rocky Mountain High. Well, anyway. I think it's, hey, it's good to be back home again. The clouds <laughs> oh, are rolling in. Oh, yeah, in. that's right. I wrote, uh, yes, I know it well. Well, I don't know about you, but I know with all these plant sales and everything else, I'm just absolutely chomping at the to get planting and as a te as tempting as that is to plant today um i think it's best to wait an extra week before you plant those frost sensitive plants unless you have some sort of a bullet way to proof way to to protect your, protect your plants from a hard frost we may not get a frost you know, but I discourage people from from uh, from doing it now because actually the soil is still pretty cool. Um, you know, from our, it being a, a late spring, but don't hesitate to plant your frost hardy plants, all of them. You know, the cold plants. You know, your broccoli, kale, Brussels sprouts, uh, collard, spinaches, um, the lettuces, all the different lettuces. Your beets, your chard. Some people uh, transplant beets actually 
Um, uh, I tried it a couple of years ago and was surprised how well it went. I mean, actually, some of the best beets I, I've grown were from transplants, which I wouldn't have suspected. But Swiss chard, all those things that are cold hardy, but just wait another week for those frost hardy ones. What are, uh, what are some of the frost susceptible plants out there? Well, uh, tomatoes, cucumbers, um, peppers, uh, uh, eggplant, um, all of those, uh, basil, um, let's see what else we got. Well, that's a good start anyway. Yeah, I know folks have been looking at the, uh, the weather forecast to see if it, if it moves out through next week and mm -hmm. watching those overnight low mm -hmm. temperatures, because mm -hmm. like, uh, like you, Peter, a lot of folks out there <laughs> after this winter, they are ready to put something in the ground and see it grow. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, um, I still say, though, the soil temperatures are still pretty cold. You know, what happens is that uh, anything uh, lower than 50 degree, degrees actually ties up nitrogen in the soil, so it's not as readily available as it would be. So you don't really, you know, you don't think of that particular part of it. It's not just the the air temperature, but the soil temperature is still a little cool. Uh, you know, the rain and these warm days will help that a lot um, that we've had. So, uh, you know, just just hang in there. Do the other things first. I'm sure you'll you'll uh, you'll you'll you know have plenty to do next week. So just divide things out between you know the frost hardy and the and the sensitive ones. For folks who uh, might have already stuck a, a vegetable or two in the ground there to uh, to get things started, I, I know we've got some rain coming up here mm -hmm. uh, on Saturday and Sunday and then a couple of dry days there. But around this time of year when plants go first go in the ground and you get a, a good soaking rain, how long is the the value of that rain before you should actually get out there and start watering your plants again? Mm. The the rule of thumb is that you need an inch um, of water per week. A plant needs that. So if you're getting a, um, oh, well, you know, one of those fast uh, uh, rainstorms that comes through, rains for half an hour, just completely disregard that. That's not going to soak into the soil. It'll evaporate before it ever gets into the soil. You really want to look at your your rain accumulations, and I don't know if Roger reports on that or not, but you can check it out online. What your what the the rain, how much rain you've had over this the the week. Um, for me, um, I like to water whether it rains or not. This it's particularly with uh, my soil. You know, I have a lot of that uh, vermiculite in there and a lot of peat moss. It's really hard to overwater but it's really easy to underwater and 90% or e even higher than that of every plant is water one of the most important ingredients there is is plenty of water we are inviting uh, your phone calls as you prepare your garden out there at 802-244-1777 toll free from everywhere 1-877-291-8255 talking with a lot of our lumber folks over the past week, including our friends at PNR Lumber in Wolcott. Uh, they're saying that the the cedar raised bed mm -hmm. frames mm -hmm. are uh, very popular right now, and a lot of folks are, are making their preparations to, to get those raised beds uh, up and running. That's great. You can't ask for better than that. And um, their cedar is uh, is very reasonably priced. 
you know, I, I've always just used spruce and it works fine and it rots and that's okay with me. Um, I, I don't discourage people to use pressure treated. Matter of fact, one of my neighbors uh, emailed me and, and I suspect that I put my foot in it because this was the wife asking me if the husband could do it. Uh, they were talking about uh, using pressure treated lumber, which I, I just simply discouraged, you know, go ahead and use the cedar or, you know, tamarack or any kind of a, a regular old wood, but I don't recommend using treated wood because you just don't know for sure. You know, for years they treated wood with uh, an arsenic uh, uh, compound that uh, now they no longer do it. It's a lot of copper, but you know, we just don't know what the long range uh, effects is, and it's just not necessary. Um, I'm okay for a deck or a set of steps or any other things, but I just recommend people keep it out of the garden. And uh, PNR Lumber has some great stuff there, and it'll last just as long as you can. You got to figure every six to ten years you're going to replace them, no matter what they are, because it's the worst possible conditions that you could get. You have it right on the ground. You know, if you look at a fence post, cedar or not. Where it rots is not the top and not the start in the ground. It's the six inches where the soil is. <laughs> so, you know, um, uh, so anyway, yeah, the, uh, you're going to gonna have to plan on, on replacing those. Does, does uh, decomposing wood in the frame of a raised bed uh, cause any potential problems? Absolutely the the a, a plus. A com oh, it's a plus. It's an absolute plus. It's just like compost. And the thing that I like about uh, the decomposing uh, wood is that it actually encourages the growth of mycelium in the bed and then other helpful, uh, you know, um, bacteria and, and insects and all the rest. So it's a plus all the way around, even as it's decomposing. So we have uh, Betty in Northfield on the phone. Betty, good morning. You're on WDEV with Peter Burke. Hey, Hi, Betty. Good afternoon. Yes. <laughs> uh, That's right. Check me. To get some compost that had been cooked and sanitized. I wondered if that was any better, if it was good for better to get that, or is it not? Well, in my opinion, uh, the, I almost always used bag compost. Now I know um, there's a, a some of the compost makers around. They have it so you can buy it and put it in your pickup truck and take it. And that's that's pretty good too. But you want to make sure that whatever compost that you have is uh, has been hot enough to kill the weed seeds. And I made this mistake of getting some compost from a, a local uh, farmer and thinking, well, you know, this is great. It's less expensive than all the rest. But uh, it, it basically, I inoculated my garden with so many weed seeds that it took me three years to get them uh, cleaned out. So there's a huge benefit in making sure that the, the compost that you buy uh, has, has come to temperature, has killed the weed seeds. So that's the benefit that you're talking about. Okay, okay. I think. Just, well, I haven't had the problem of, I get it uh, locally and it's, um, has been good soil. Not, I'm not talking about the the cooked. I just get some that isn't uncooked, I guess. But it, I've never had the the uh, seed coming through it. Well, it sounds like you you found a good formula then. Oh, I guess I have. Cause <laughs> it's, it's, I once in a while get a string of something silly, uh -huh. you know, that has gone through the 
process, but yeah. like paper or mm-hmm. mostly, mostly. Uh, so when you say cooked, what are well, you talking about? Well, apparently it comes from a farm mm-hmm. down in the southern part of the state. Okay. And they use it in their uh, barn. Mm-hmm. Um, but they they sanitize it. They call it sanitized. Okay. Well, that you know that's the key there, and I whatever you call it, right? If it's if it's had time to heat up, and what happens is that it heats up and it actually sprouts those weed seeds. Okay, that's what's happened. Then apparently yeah. with that. Yeah, that's that's the key ingredient right there. Okay. Uh, if if they're scraping it off the. Um, outside uh, near the barn, then chances are good it's going to be absolutely full of weed seeds, and I can okay. vouch. I can vouch for that. So, yeah. Well, I I get up. I'm in Northville, and I get it locally mm-hmm. from my um, greenhouse. Oh yeah. So I've never had any problem, like I say, with the seeds. Yeah. But I, and then again too, I I do get a lot of the bags. Yeah. Well, the thing to remember with compost is compost is more a soil amendment than it is a fertilizer. And um, you may still need nitrogen, uh, a nitrogen fertilizer, even like though... Like lime? Oh, uh, no, I'm actually talking about a fertilizer like uh, ProGrow, you know, which is a Vermont oh, company. Oh, okay. You know, uh, an NP- NPK equivalent, you know, say, well, I think the ProGrow is uh, 534 and that's that's important to remember is that the the compost although it has some nitrogen available uh, for the plants a lot of times if you're if you're planting a heavy feeder um, you're going to need to add a little bit of fertilizer even to that compost okay Okay. i haven't done that and i haven't tested my soil so i don't know Mm -hmm. where it is now Mm -hmm. well most of the soil in vermont is is slightly acid and um, I know I put in a I have a um, four by four foot by four foot uh, garden beds that I use and I put a couple lime in at the beginning of each year and okay. that seems to that. that seems to uh, you know sweeten the soil and keep it sweet and uh, um, there you know there's a lot of different elements going on but we do do still have a certain amount of acid rain so the soil will be acidic just mm-hmm. from the rain so uh, i i have done tests and it seems like i'm always a little bit on the acid side so i've just made that part of my routine a little lime and mm-hmm. something with a uh, calcium in it uh, not calcium uh npk, NPK. Uh, yeah right okay. Um, you know, it depends on what you're growing, but you know, well, I'm they're growing everything. You're growing everything, huh? Yeah. Okay. I'll bet. <laughs> That's wonderful. That's... I do. I'm an old, old Vermonter. So yeah. Yeah. I I just have to have a little of everything in my garden. <laughs> That's great. I'm glad to hear it. <laughs> now the other thing, and I think it's calcium that's lacking, but it's not me. It's my son who gardens in the well down near Shoreham. Yeah. And. Um, he was, his tomatoes were rotting on the bottom, mm-hmm. and his he yeah. asked the, yeah. a man at the greenhouse what was going on. He said, probably you need calcium. Is that a good advice? Well, it's true that it it uh, it that usually people say it indicates uh, okay. a lack of calcium, but there's one other thing that's involved with this is that 
a lot of time uneven watering will will create the same problem. Yeah, well, that even, goes on, I'm e sure. E even yeah. if there's calcium in the soil, if you're not watering on a regular basis, and that's why I say, you know, every single week you want to make sure. And, you know, in July and August when it's hot, I'd say, you know, you need to do it twice a week. Yeah. And well, that's, that's usually a bigger problem than the calcium itself. Okay, if well, you're that's a problem, I'd say. It's a camp, <laughs> ah. and he has beautiful soil. Oh, yeah. And it grows... Mm -hmm. He grows wonderful vegetables, mm -hmm. but mm -hmm. he, of course, he's not there all the time. He yeah. goes once a week. Yeah, yeah. So I'm sure that's, and as he said, there's a lot of, um, oh, what do I, clay. Oh, yeah. A lot of clay in his soil. So. Yeah, yeah. So... Well, have them have them uh, look into that. There's different ways you can you can water. So you might want to. Maybe he'll have to find a way to do it. Here, you know, often, mm -hmm. more often yep. in the summertime. Yeah. Okay. Well, well, Betty, thanks so much for calling in. It was really interesting talking to you. I well, appreciate thank it. Thank you for your advice. Sure. Okay. Anytime. Bye. Yep. All right, uh, Lee, you're, are you ready for sponsors, or should I say one more thing here? Well, Peter, we've got uh, we've got somebody who we have not yet screened yet standing by who's going to be joining <laughs> us right after we hear from a few of our sponsors. Okay. So we'll All take, right, great. Actually, Betty's phone call kind of prompted a couple of questions I have of my own, but oh. we'll forego those in favor of <laughs> our next caller. 244-1777 and toll-free 1-877-291-8255. And we'll return to the phones after this. Let's say you need a hinge, a sweatshirt, a birthday card, a new toaster, some sugaring supplies, some local beer or local cheeses and breads, even local greens, roots, and meats. Now let's say you need a new bathing suit or some lager boots, maybe a new onesie for your baby, or stylish Carhartt clothing. What about curry and cumin? Maybe sewing notions. Can you think of one place you can get all of that? Well, I can. The Woolies Store in downtown Greensboro. Did I mention the cheapest gas around? The Woolies Store. If Woolies doesn't have it, you certainly can get along without it. Is celebrating spring with Clawson grown annuals, perennials, vegetables, and herbs. At Clawson's, you'll find festive plants, seeds, colorful pottery, unique gifts, and novelty items, as well as fabulous new garden accents and a full service flower shop. Print out your weekly coupons from Clawson's online at Clawson's.com. Spring is here at Clawson's Florist Greenhouse and Perennial Farm, 187 Main Street, Colchester. Open seven days a week. Think spring. Think Lawson's. We're in the garden with uh, Peter Burke. Peter, like everybody else, learning the new phone system here. I'm trying to figure out how to how to screen phone calls without going out on the air while I'm doing it. <laughs> well, we're, we're all coming one step at a time here. There you go. Well, thanks, Jack. We do have a caller lined up ready to go. Okay, Fred, uh, and I think it says Moncton Ridge. Is that right? Correct. All right. Hey, Fred, what's up? Hey, Peter. Hey. Uh, I want to give a little a call out to the sponsor of the show, Grow uh, Compost over on Route 2. Yeah, great stuff. I stopped in and got a bag. I talked to, uh, I believe it was Scott there. Mm -hmm. And they have a new product called Canvas. Just this year they've come into it for marijuana growing. Oh. <laughs> and, okay. Uh, I have... I went to a buddy's house with a, a pretty good-sized sack of this. Yep. Put it on his plants. Uh-huh. Within three days, these things look like something that uh, they were gargantuan in three days. Wow, that's great. 
Now, I've done organic gardening before with this type of thing, but this stuff is just tremendous. Okay. And anybody out there that's thinking about growing some legal marijuana mm-hmm. this summer, mm-hmm. uh, should it, uh, be interested in canvas uh, up at Grow Compost. Well, okay, great. I appreciate the, the tip. I suspect, suspect that that would probably work well for my tomato plants too, right? <laughs> and, and I'll call back in the summer. I'm an avid, regular organic gardener of all types of yep. things, and so I'll be uh-huh. calling in. Great show. Okay, good. Well, I'll stop in and see their canvas. I've got to check it out. Thanks, yep. Thanks Fred. Okay. <laughs> Lee, you what? said you had a What's oh, I, I, first I was going to say we were bound to uh, reach this subject at some point this year. <laughs> thought yeah. it was typically, traditionally, a little bit early to uh, be putting plants in the ground. Usually, well, at any rate, uh, yeah, we'll folks with more knowledge on the subject. No, next that. weekend. I mean, we're close. We're close. You could you could push it and still, you know, probably plant as long as you were ready to cover up. Okay, uh, Betty, uh, a previous caller, and by the way, you can join us, 244-1777. We'll move my questions aside for yours, 244-1777, or 1-877-291-8255. Betty's call talked about cooked compost. Now, my understanding about the chemistry of compost is it creates its own heat. That's correct. And is traditionally the heat that it creates enough to kill Mm -hmm. the the seeds from the weeds? If it's done well, yeah. Good compost heats up. Matter of fact, uh, up where they do the Green Mountain compost, um, I did a, a, a class up there. And uh, it was neat because you walk up there and there's all this steam coming up off of the off of the top of the piles. Now these aren't pile, these are piles that are the size of a house. You know, this isn't just a little old pile like it is in my house. And then they had these great big blowers that blow fresh air, so there's always oxygen available for the decomposition because that's you know you don't want it to become anaerobic or without air, and then it, otherwise then it starts to to stink. It it smells bad. And it, there is the potential to get your compost heated up so much that it, it does it become a fire hazard at some point? Not usually. That's usually hay. Oh, right. hay, hay can become a fire hazard, but compost usually. Un, I, I, I can't even think of one instance, really. And uh, for somebody who's uh, getting ready to, to do raised beds and maybe working with, you know, an empty bed. Yeah. And what? Talk about your soil preparation or mm-hmm. what sort of mix, because you mentioned compost as yep. an, an amendment. Amendment, yeah. So when you start from scratch with a raised bed, what does your soil consist of? So my formula for a raised bed is real simple. It's one-third peat moss, one-third compost, and one-third vermiculite. And that's what I call, or Mel Bartholomew calls, perfect soil. And that's a that's the way to start. That means that you have enough uh, organic material in your in your soil. You have the vermiculite, which is sort of a buffer, which absorbs and releases uh, moisture as the plants need it. Or if it you have a heavy rain, it absorbs it, so you don't puddle and and uh, drown your roots. And uh, then, of course, the compost is again that that inoculates the soil with all kinds of microbes 
very important in mineralizing the nutrients is having that microbes work on um, work on the uh, all those soil amendments and that's one of the reasons uh, that the trend has been to go to the no-till is that they found that actually plowing and turning oil over the soil disrupts the the, the whole little microcosm in, in those top six or eight inches of soil that it is sort of a negative even though it's it gets rid of all the weeds they found that there's better ways to get rid of the weeds and the stubble and stumps and all the rest than than to uh, turn the soil. One third peat moss, one third vermiculite, mm-hmm. and what was the last third? One third compost. One third compost. And that's a you know uh, to that um, I I usually add a cup of lime, a cup of sea kelp meal, a cup of a fertilizer, a natural I mean a organic fertilizer, and a, a cup of azomite or rock powder. And that that way you have a real complete uh, a complete recipe there, but the the basis is that uh, the peat moss, the compost, and the vermiculite. When you're uh, rolling through the uh, gardening section of a store, do you ever take a look at a, a component or an additive and say, absolutely not, I would not want that on my soil? <laughs> well, the, the only thing that, that I, because I'm an organic gardener, I always stay away from the chemical fertilizers and, and, and the serious uh, chemical, um, uh, you know, herbicides. Um I mean, I, I know there are certainly some uses for them, and, and uh, but in where you're growing food, it's probably better not to use those things, you know, uh, uh, in the long run. Well, folks out there, we are, uh, you know, moving toward the weekend when everybody's supposed to get their plants <laughs> in the ground. So it's a great time to ask your questions before you start off on the wrong foot. So mm-hmm. if you've got any questions about getting your gardening underway, 802 244 1777 and toll free 1877 291 8255. You're listening to WDEV FM and AM, and we'll return to Peter Burke in the garden right after a few words from our sponsors. <laughs> Hi, this is Lisa from Grow Compost of Vermont. I'm dreaming of peas and radishes, flowers, and fresh tomatoes. Spring has arrived, and Grow Compost is here to nourish your organic garden. Pick some up or call to schedule a delivery today. Contact us to arrange food scrap pickup service for your business or organization. Find us on Route 2 in Moortown or contact us at growcompost.com. Grow Compost, exceptional local soil. Hello, Ben Patton here from PR Lumber, Group 15 Walker. Our family owned sawmill has all the lumber for your next project rough and planed in dimensional sizes spruce, hemlock, pine, and cedar, and smooth four sides, V groove, shiplap, and tie groove, five quarter decking in cedar and tamarack. PR Lumber has pre constructed white cedar raised beds in stock. Be sure to check out our wide pine boards from 14 to 22 inches. Live edge planks available too. PR Lumber, Route 15 Walker, 472 6636, Monday through Friday, 7 to 4 30, and Saturdays from 8 to noon. You are listening to WDEV News Radio, a network of stations owned and operated by the Radio Vermont Group. 96.1 WDEV FM, Warren and Waitsfield. 96.5 W243 AT Berry. 98.3 W252 CU Montpelier. Along with our founding station, AM550 WDEV Waterbury Montpelier. And online at WDEVradio.com. Brands you trust, people you know. 
fine, beautiful, locally grown plants at Montpelier Agway, of course. Their nursery is full of locally grown annuals, perennials, vegetables, herbs, and hanging baskets. Get three-inch perennials, six for $22. Six-pack annuals, six for $18. And four-inch annuals, six for $30. They also have a large selection of three-gallon blueberries, just $39.99. Montpelier Agway, locally owned. Route 2, Montpelier. Phone lines are open to speak with Peter Burke in the garden here on WDEV FM and AM 802-244-1777 and toll free 1-877-291-8255. All right. Well, one thing I wanted to remind folks is that, uh, you know, how you guys are putting podcasts of the show online. And uh, besides the podcast, there's also, um, I usually uh, do the, uh, it's a, it's the monologue where I try to to um, you know get through the whole monologue in the in the beginning of the show. Uh, it rarely happens, but you'll find that uh, I, I have it all written up and that it's also uh, posted right along with the podcast. And and uh, so uh, it's actually good reading. And uh, and then the uh, if you don't have to time to catch a show at uh, at twelve thirty. On Saturdays, you can uh, you can catch the podcast anytime you want. <laughs> Let's uh, return to the phones once again, toll free from everywhere. One eight seven seven two nine one eight two five five. Andy from Plainfield, you're in the garden with Peter Burke. Hey, Andy, what's up? Hi, Peter. How are you? Good. Um, I'm wondering if you have a ratio or a formula for how much asparagus to pick and how much to leave to go to fern to support the plant in the future. Um, uh, generally speaking, you, you cut all of them, uh, as they come up and you cut them for about two or three weeks and then you stop and let them go. And, uh, I know some people pick them a little bit longer. Every time you pick them, they're going to, uh, they're going to put up new shoots or cut them or break them off, whichever you do, but you can pick all of them. You don't, there's not a proportion. You, Interesting. You, yeah. Yeah. And then I had you stop after three weeks and let them just go. That's right. That's right. Uh, so you you get your your harvest continuous uh, for those uh, those few weeks, and then um, and then then they uh, you let them go so that they can feed the roots and the root system. And don't forget, uh, asparagus. Even though you're going to let them grow, you need to continue to water and fertilize them throughout mm-hmm. the season, like you would mm-hmm. anything else. And um, I I know. I know from my own experience that it's easy to neglect them and and uh, and and not fertilize them and not water them even though. But what you're doing is you're you're guaranteeing your next year's crop by you know a good healthy uh, root system there. So you you even though you're not going to see it in a in a harvest uh, at the end of the the season, you're going to see it in in the harvest in the spring. I, I give them, when I'm done picking, I generally give them a layer of compost. Yeah. Well, compost is great. Um, and and that's sort of a, a, a minimal, you know, you want to make sure that you also give them a fertilizer as well. Okay, great. Thank you for your help. All right, buddy. And uh, I think, um, let's see, uh, we might have another caller. And uh, so, well, when we get back to it, I just want to run over... Um, Planting your your sets, and uh, we'll we'll talk about planting seeds a little bit later. But uh, when when you're out there uh, picking out your sets, you will want to um, 
uh, have your soil already ready to go. Um, you don't want to uh, be preparing your soil when you're planting because it's important to, once you get your sets, is to get them in the ground fairly quickly. Um, so, you know, you, with your, uh, your plants, you bring them out and, um, you know, a day like today where it's going to rain a little bit later is actually really perfect. Even if you plant in the rain, it's a little bit better than, you know, a cloudy day is better than a, a hot sunny day for, for your plants. Um, I know you can't always pick and choose, but if you can pick and choose, then go for the cloudy day or the rainy day to plant your sets and, and not the hot sunny day. So when you have a, well, usually they come in a six-pack or a four-pack. I'm sure everybody's familiar with that. But when you're taking that plant out of the tray, out of the little pack, right, the six-pack, what you don't want to do is actually pull on the stem of the set. What you want to do is you you just sort of turn it sideways or slightly upside down and squeeze the bottom of each one of those cells, the six or four cells, and squeeze them a little bit until you feel it loosen up and let it sort of fall out onto your hand. You don't want to take the, the stem and pull up because that, that can actually uh, sever uh, any number of roots and actually you can, you can find your plant in your hand in the soil in the cell, which is not a good, good feeling. <laughs> we have a caller? Yeah, your uh, phone calls are invited, 244-1777, and we've got Bill in South Woodbury. Hey, Bill. What's going on in South Woodbury? Oh, not too much black flies effect. <laughs> But uh, when I got this place in 06, yeah. there was a whole bunch of trees out in this one spot. The whole house was like, oh, just forested over. So I've sure. cut a lot of them down. I mean, yeah. most of them. Yep. Well, anyway, we had a little. I had a little bit of wild raspberry. Well, through the years, I used to mow it and whatnot, and I decided to take an ill-fated retirement trip to Florida, which, you know, they can have that. <laughs> but... Uh, in the, in the year and a half, two years that I was gone, yep. these things have gone crazy. Absolutely. Yeah, that's their job. Their job is to go crazy. They're, you know, <laughs> they're, they're a weed like anything else. Uh, the, oh, they're, they're poking up in the lawn. They're, oh, they, they poked up places oh, I couldn't even imagine. Absolutely. And all you have to do is pull on one of them and trace back that that uh, runner that they put out and the runner underneath the soil is actually probably bigger than what you're seeing above the soil yep yep and, I've, I've done that yep any yeah. other hints to get rid of them or just keep cutting them no I, you, you'll pretty much have to just keep cutting them if you're if they're going out into your lawn and honestly if you just keep mowing that'll that probably will do the trick i mean i, I made the mistake similar to that but with comfrey i had a, a small comfrey patch that my father gave to me Bless his soul, um, and uh, we, we had a, a a backhoe come in, not a backhoe, but a, a a bulldozer come in and level out some land, and he took some of that comfrey and he spread it all over, and and my my <laughs> my lawn looked like there were rabbit ears, little green rabbit ears all over the lawn with this all this comfrey, oh. and I I still it's down over the bank and in all kinds of places, you know. Well, yeah, I my I don't have very much level ground; it goes yeah. up and down. And, yeah, yep. But uh, yeah, I, I uh, when Ed Smith was on, I had a problem with my garden of the. Uh, the grass coming down through, mm -hmm. 
and he had advised me, well, make some sort of a barrier at least 12 inches down. So mm -hmm. we went mm -hmm. out to Capitol Steel and got mm -hmm. eighth inch by 12 by uh, like eight foot sheets. Yep. And pounded them down on the ground. Yep. Never had a problem again. Yeah, yeah, no, that's and that's right. That's about that's about where they travel is you know in that range you know from just below the surface all the way down to eight inches. Uh, they'll make it underneath the eight inches eventually, but uh, it sure does put a damper on it. Makes it a lot easier to control, and that's uh, so basically the same principle that I'm using with the with with the garden beds. You know, the permanent bed, the permanent pathways. You know, that's helping to create a barrier between the the grass and everything else from the garden. You know, it's it's yeah. not bulletproof, but it 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 is a big big help. In your case, um, I guess that depending on where they're coming in from if if it's uh centralized and you can possibly you know put them in a put a barrier around all those yeah that will work great no know? no no we're, we're talking about a good half acre of raspberries <laughs> here now wouldn't be so bad if they gave you a little bit of fruit once in a while but you know when yeah. you have a thing about a size of your yeah. Pinky nail. Well. Yeah, I know it's not worth it. Well, I uh, in the other other side of it, if you take your mower or um, you know one of those front end uh, uh, motor mowers and uh, uh, mow paths down through them, then they probably would uh, bear better. But yeah. then you'd be treating them like a garden and not like a weed. As long as they're a weed, they're not going to produce very well. Well, I I hope I can chop my way through and then I'll just have a little patch down where it goes over the hillside there. Well, if you really want to get rid of them, then uh, mow them down and uh, put a, a, a tarp of a black uh, landscape cloth, you know, oh, a heavy yeah. landscape yep. cloth, and, and that will kill them. That will set them back. And, uh, you know, if you're really trying to reclaim that, and then it, it, after you do that for three or four weeks, then pick it up and plant grass there, at least they'll have a little competition with the grass. Mm. Good to know. Thank yeah. you very much. Yeah, good luck, Bill. Let me know how it goes. All righty. Thank you. Yeah, take care. Okay. So, uh, looks like we have another caller, and it is Rich. Oh, hey, Rich. How you doing? <laughs> good, Peter. You? Good, good. Beautiful weather out there, huh? Yeah. What's... Thank you so much for your show. I'll always let you know I really appreciate it very much. So <laughs> well, it's, be aware of that. it's it's mutual admiration. I appreciate your call, and that's really makes that's what makes the the uh, the show. What's going on today? I remember the last time we talked, it was carrots we were talking about. Yeah, I'm, I'm adding more. Actually, today I. All my six beds, I put in mm -hmm. uh, uh, 15 gallons of perfect soil on top. Oh, nice. Deeper. Great. And, uh, Great. Um, but I want to talk to you about the permanent pathways for a bit, and then I think I want to talk to you about um, trellis. Okay, so good. Um, one of the things I learned today with my putting on the material, I mixed my stuff, you know, one, one five-gallon can of peat moss, one five-gallon can of vermiculite, one five-gallon can of yep. compost. That's, that's and I put in a wheelbarrow, and I put the two-foot-wide permanent path, like you said, and that wheelbarrow goes anywhere I want in the garden. And I like that deal. Isn't that nice? Yeah. 
Yeah, it, yeah, and I don't think a one-footer would have done it. Nope, you know? uh, I've done that. I've done the one-footer for for years. I had one foot, and, and uh, that was the way it was in uh, Mel Bartholomew's first book. And I said, I can't do this. I went to two-foot path, right? Next thing I know, in his second edition, he said, you know, that one foot is really pretty narrow. Let's go with two-footer, even three-foot. <laughs> So, yeah. so yeah, I I I think that's a good thing. <laughs> yeah. Now I haven't put it, I've got uh, landscape fabric mm-hmm. on my whole my whole garden. Mm-hmm. It's, it's all fenced in with a four foot chicken wire. Beautiful. And the, and the entire thing is landscape fabric, two layers. Yeah. And and I haven't put anything on top of the landscape fabric except I put old blue. Most of them are blue tarps on yeah. there, pieces, yeah. whatever. Sure. So it's all covered, so it's, it's whatever. I just put my fabric right over the grass. Right over the grass, yeah. And, yep. and then I put, I've had my uh, tarps over there for a year, but I'm thinking about what I want to do. And I know if you use uh, bark mulch, that bark mulch is going to turn into uh, not perfect soil, but soil good enough to grow weeds. Yep, that's true. And, and then the thing is, you're, you you throw more on top, mm-hmm. I guess, to cover up your weeds, mm-hmm. and just have a, uh, a environment for uh, habitat for your weeds. It just gets deeper and deeper. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. what I've been thinking about, and I don't know how much it costs, and I'm wondering about the chemical uh, hazard part of this thing, is what putting in that, that rubber. It's not really bark, but rubber bark mulch. Any mulch is fine. You know, whatever you particularly it, it, like. And made out of rubber. Yeah, it, it, I can't see there would be any particular problem. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, particularly where you have the off, uh, bro- bovine growth hormone. Or <laughs> <pectin> or <something. laughs> uh, that's above my pay scale, buddy. I I, I don't <laughs> really know, but I do. Uh, I I always tell the story about the one lady who said that she went up to was it Black Rock uh, over in in uh, East Montpelier. And they had all kinds of different uh, gravels there. And she went up uh, with her flip-flops and she made him lay out uh, some of these things so she could walk on it. Because she wanted to go barefoot, but she wanted to use stone, you know, instead of the bark mulch. Because the bark mulch can be kind of sharp on your on your bare feet. And so she finally came up one that was really nice and rounded and felt good on her feet. So uh, anything you want to use. Uh, I know people have used, I mean, you could use... Oh, just about anything, really, um, yep. besides uh, bricks or stone or, you know, h- however much effort you want to put into it. I can't see anything wrong with the with the rubber mulch, if if that's what you like. Yeah. Now that I've done all this, you know, if I, I don't have a an old tennis court made out of cement or asphalt pavement. But yeah. It, you know, if you had a cement tennis court or yeah. asphalt old asphalt tennis court you might be a great place to put your race beds yeah well it's funny you mentioned that because my son is down in connecticut and he just uh joined a, a community garden and uh that's exactly what they did they took an old uh, uh basketball court and and put all these uh, uh garden boxes on top of it yep. yeah, yeah yeah and then you now, said you had another question about trellises yeah trellises yeah yeah last time i asked you you said that it's okay or I think, well, I, I guess it was kind of a, a naive question on my part, I guess, but you no said such cucumbers thing. will grow well with a trellis, but yeah. I was wondering, how many, you got a four-foot-long trellis, or uh-huh. wide, whatever you want to call it, yeah. how many plants would you put on one four-foot trellis? I'd, two per square foot, so that means eight plants altogether. Eight, 
Okay. That's a lot. It's okay. a lot of plants. I mean, this is four square feet, and that would take you at least thirty square feet in a in a regular garden if you grow them on the ground. So your 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 space savings is just tremendous. I mean, it's tremendous, and they prefer it. And I find that the cucumbers really like growing up. Uh, you don't have the yellow spot in the bottom. You don't have the problem with the um, uh, with the slugs, you know, climbing up on top of them. And I've had virtually no problem with the cucumber beetle at all. Sort of squash bug, right. you know. It's uh, yeah. it's and and it's also because the aeration. I don't really have the problem uh, with uh, powdery mildew. So I, it's a plus plus plus. You know, it's growing them up on a trellis is, and and then even then there's more. <laughs> you can you stand right there at the trellis and you can see every single cucumber. You're not having to poke down through the leaves or anything else. Matter of fact, I I've, I usually shake it just a little bit and and when you do the the you can see the cucumbers sort of flopping back and forth. It makes it real easy to see. It's uh, trellis is is the way to go for cucumbers in my humble opinion. Now, earlier on, you talked about, well, you talked about the plan, and you talked about rotating what you plant to different places. When I, when I was thinking, okay, you've got uh, peas on the north side of your box, mm -hmm. raised bed. Mm -hmm. So, okay, next year I'll put them on the, the south end of the raised bed. But I think what you're actually talking about is moving them to a different bed. Is that no, correct? No, um, I leave the trellises in the same place year after year after year. And okay. what, I, what I do is I, I'll take my cucumbers and, and then plant uh, peas and then plant tomatoes and then I may plant pole beans or and then, uh, you know, a squash uh, like a zucchini and then my tomatillas. So I'm rotating the, the crops every year that I'm mm -hmm. putting on okay. those trellises. So that's how I'm rotating okay. it. I got you. That makes sense? Yeah, it does. But suppose they had a trellis on the north end. I know you wouldn't go with this because of sun stuff, but yeah. sun, sun, sun access. Yeah. But if I had a trellis on the north end, mm -hmm. a trellis on the south end, yeah. would it be considered sufficient rotation to swap the peas with the cucumbers? Or no, I think so, yeah. They go to a different bed. Okay. Yeah, sure, that should be fine. Uh, you know, in the garden, the the real the real problematic plants are your your coal family, your broccoli plants. They're the ones that get hit the the worst um, with soilborne uh, uh, soilborne problems. Um, and then second to that, of course, is your tomatoes with the the different kinds of blight and and wilts and all the rest. Um, I know people that grow them in the same location year after year after year, and mm -hmm. you know. Like I said, in a, in a commercial or a large, you know, uh, farm or garden, it becomes a huge issue. Um, but uh, in a smaller case with the beds or raised beds, um, you know, it's not as much. But if you're, you know, one of the things that I've done is actually put a, um, a, a trellis on the east, west, and north side and made sort of a, a U trellis and then grown a fairly good-sized squash on them. You can do a butternut squash, or I, I wouldn't do a Hubbard squash, but uh, all of your other squashes work real well on those. Zucchini? Zucchini all the time, yeah. And there's okay. a, a kind of zucchini called trombone zucchini that uh, it, that absolutely loves growing on the trellis, and it's it's a preferable way to do it, and it's a wonderful zucchini. To, it's a great food. Great. Well, thank you so much for the great advice and help. And <laughs> 
and I uh, want to extend a thank you for Lee for coming in there today to, to fill in for Joel. Yeah. He's uh, always glad he's always available for yep, us. Yep, yep. Okay, you Rich, care, you uh, have a good day. Bye. Yep. Thanks, you too. Yep. Bye. Bye-bye. Uh, yeah, well, actually, uh, for the record, it takes at least two of us to fill Joel's shoes. <laughs> Jack and I are going to split up the, the music show this afternoon, and he's going to come in uh, right after we're done here for, for a little while, and then I'll, I'll come in and mop up for him a little bit later on. Yeah. Joel is fine, by the way, but not coming in this afternoon, for those of you who were inquiring. Yes. Uh, let's uh, get a word in from some of our many underwriters who this is big weekends for a lot of these folks because uh, this is the time when people get what they need to get their, their stuff ready for getting in the garden. I stopped in at Agway today and then uh, Friday I was at the uh, jail branch uh, and oh man they are just packed full with wonderful plants uh, and lots of people and it's just uh, it's fun to see it's exciting. Uh, we'll be right back with more. And by the way, there are some open phone lines. If you want to get in to the Garden with Peter Burke, 244-1777, toll-free, 1-877-291-8255. Get everything you need for your garden. Hi, this is Tiffany at Menards Agway. Our greenhouses are fully stocked with annuals, perennials, veggies, and a great selection of hanging baskets. We also have trees, shrubs, blueberries, and raspberries. When you're finished planning, get the grill out, make sure the tank is full, or that you've got smoking chips, charcoal, and tools at family-owned and operated Menards Agway, your yard, garden, and pet place. Open seven days a week, Brooklyn Street, Morrisville, where your 20-pound propane refill is just $12.99. Get a load of the racks at Linda's Apparel. A tradition of ladies' clothing continues in downtown Virgins at Linda's Apparel and Gifts. Spring is in full bloom with vibrant colors, stylish accessories, sparkling jewelry, and the most captivating collections of ladies' fashions around soft, eye-catching pastels, effervescent splashes of color, simple to essential, graceful lines and functional comfort. Freshen up what's in your closet for the warmer days ahead at Linda's Apparel, Main Street, Virgins. We sell quite a few of the breeds at the store when we have our chick days in the, in the spring. You put an order in, then you go pick them up. We've taken the grandchildren with us before to pick them out. We have about probably around 15 chickens. Me and my sister take care of all the animals. For introduction to dealing with a farm animal, chickens have got to be one of the best ways to go. They're actually very easy to take care of. Chick days have arrived, so print order forms online and bring them to any guy's farm and yard location, including our newest store in St. Albans. We're in the garden with Peter Burke. Phone lines are open at 802-244-1777, toll-free 877-291-8255. we got a little bit of time now between now and the top of the hour and a little bit of time between now and you getting your garden underway. And we definitely want you to get started off on the right foot. So if you've got questions about processes and procedures and mistakes you want to how about mistakes you want to avoid in the uh, first in the early weeks of, of planting peter what's <laughs> what's one of the worst things you can do out there well the worst thing you can do is not plant anything right. <laughs> but uh you, you know uh, uh planting too early is usually the thing that that really uh gets most people is if you know that temptation that oh no we're not going to see another frost 
<laughs> they've always said Memorial Day weekend for the longest time around here, and uh, now that's we, fair. We know why. It's it's inaccurate and and funny. I, I have a lot of garden buddies that I talk to about their garden uh, throughout uh, Ohio, Pennsylvania, New, other parts of New England, and all the rest. And it's it's so true uh, from Ohio all the way east to here. Um, Memorial Day still is is the day. You know, I, I've I've talked to people who've had uh, a frost just this you know just this last week. Just you know and. Um, you know, it, it, why rush things? Why rush things? It's not going to benefit you because the soil is so cold. It's it, that cold soil will also set back the plant. And uh, like I said, it's the the soil doesn't want to release the nitrogen until it's over 50 degrees. So that's why soil temps are important, and that's why it's good to wait no matter what. Matter of fact, uh, and and uh, Ed used to always say, uh, plant your potatoes a couple weeks after the last frost. Because um, they seem to have less problems with the with the potato bug, you know, the p potato beetle. Um, so, and uh, an insect or a predator like that is probably more likely to attack a weak plant as opposed to a strong one, correct? Yeah, yeah, that's true too. And then it has its own natural cycle where the larvae come up and then they go looking. And if your potatoes aren't there, then they're they're going to go someplace else. And so that is a benefit. It's not, you know, to say that you couldn't go ahead and plant your, um, if you want to do your, um, you know, your baby potatoes, the small potatoes, if you want to do those, or plant them early and all the rest. And if you're willing to, to fight the potato beetle, then plant them whenever you want. But I, I've always tried to emphasize that gardening is not farming. We are actually gardening from April through November. We're not actually just planting one thing in Memorial Day and waiting to harvest in, in August and September. So, um, you know, what you want to do is actually plant um, from April and then plant on Memorial Day and then plant in July and then plant some more in August. And I do my last planting actually in uh, October when I plant uh, uh, spinach and garlic. So, did you uh, say we have a call there? Or yeah, we've got Lawrence on the line from Marshfield. You're Lawrence. in the garden with Peter Burke. Hey, buddy. Hey, Peter. Uh, two questions. One is, uh, we just got a bunch of uh, uh, compost from Carl Hammer. And sure. We're, yep. Uh, and we've got a few supplements. We've got green sand. We've got rock <laughs> phosphate and some lime and stuff. And we wanted to know... Uh, Per, per bucket of compost, how much uh, supplements should we add to it? Well, uh, what does your garden look like? Are you planting in rows or are you planting in beds? Uh, they're beds. We're right on the right alongside the Marshfield Brook, okay. which is the longest cascading waterfall in Vermont. So our yeah, backyard is beautiful. Yeah, is steep. So we've yep. got it. They're basically so, for all practical purposes. So you so. can uh, in a four by four bed which is okay. 16 square foot, I okay. put a cup of each one of those things in, which sure. figures out to about a tablespoon per square foot. And you can use that formula to figure out all of these things, whether it's the um, um, the rock face phosphate or what was the other one? Oh, green, green sand. Green sand and, 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 and lime. lime. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, all those things are good. Um, compost, uh, how much compost are you putting in? We're putting in uh, 
uh, about a half inch uh, cover over the whole bed. Sure. Yeah, half inch is great. Um, yeah, that, it sounds like you got a good formula going there, but uh, that should do you about a cup per 16 square feet, um, um, and that figures out to a tablespoon per square foot, um, and that will that should do it. Um, the green sand now, uh, phosphate. Um, it, great. Are you using any fertilizer, too? Yeah, uh, no. I mean, it's just the compost. Okay. Um, I, I mentioned this earlier in the show. Compost is not actually a fertilizer. There is nitrogen in it, and it's helpful in every way. Uh, but you, for a lot of your plants, you're going to need to supplement with a, a regular NPK fertilizer. And uh, Even though it's manure? Even though it's manure. Manure, though it's manure. Yep. Yeah, it it it's actually because you know compost runs about one one one. It's it's actually it has uh you know it has uh, nitrogen in it. But uh, for your heavy feeders, I mean that's fine for your lettuces and th that type of thing. But I assume you probably want to grow some of your broccoli and cabbages and I don't know maybe corn and potatoes those type of things. Yeah, especially yeah. I mean we like uh, kale and uh, yeah. mm -hmm. and. Uh, potatoes and squash and yep. all those things. Yeah. Yeah, so you 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 uh, you know, particularly your squash is a very heavy feeder and lots lots of nitrogen. So the compost may not provide enough. And I'm not saying to to be heavy-handed with the, the fertilizer. Again, it's only about a tablespoon per square foot. Um on average, uh, some things will be a little heavier feeders, but mm, that that is a good general fertilizer that that will really help you out a lot. So I mean, is there an art? Uh, so are we talking about a chemical thing? No, no. Uh, ProGrow is all natural. Um, you know, all organic certified, uh, OMRI certified, um, and a lot of our organic farmers use it uh, for their farms. And what was the number? Uh, this is uh, it's called ProGrow in and. Northern Organics has a couple of different ones, but the ProGrow is the most general, and that's a 534. 534, okay. Mm -hmm. And that's available at, at all of our sponsors, actually. Okay. Okay. Yeah, and uh, one other question. Sure. Uh, first of all, did, are you noticing the asparagus is just coming up gangbusters right now? <laughs> it's unbelievable. I mean, uh, like most years, you know, we get like a meal. I mean, this is like we yeah. could feed. Yeah some of our neighbors. Yeah, that's right nice, now. huh? It's, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's yeah. really a surprise. Yep. But we noticed the very first picking a couple, a few days ago that I didn't notice it because I'm red-green colorblind, but uh, Connie noticed uh, what she called a little rusty color. A red tinge? Yes, on some of those little triangles that are on mm -hmm. the, mm -hmm. the stem. Uh, we haven't noticed it so much last night, but uh, do you know anything about that? Uh, I'm not sure. I've seen it bad. too, uh, but I'm, uh, I'll have to actually research that a little bit because, uh, of course, there are varieties that do have that as a characteristic, and that's a possibility that's just a characteristic. Uh, um, we've had this patch a long time. Oh, okay, yeah. so it's unusual. I'll, I'll have to look that up. I've seen that, and I noticed it myself. Um... I guess she was concerned whether it was even bad to eat, but I mean, no, 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 no. <laughs> it, at most, it's a it's a deficiency in the soil. That's at the very worst. Um, 
and but it, it's it's not anything toxic by a long shot. Okay. Enjoy it. Yeah, oh, we are. <laughs> well, well you know, and yeah. and that's a it's a distinct possibility that they've really blossomed and grown uh, hale and hearty very quickly, and that just may be an indication of that too. But I'll look it up, uh, Lawrence, and and try to give you an answer next week if I don't find anything right off. That'd be great. Okay. Thank you so much. Sure, anytime. Okay. Glad you called. We're in our closing moments here of In the Garden. With no, I know, we're not in a... Flown really? by already. <laughs> I, I have one quick question, Owen, yeah. and then we'll, we got one more break, and then we'll get your final thoughts here. But Rich okay. called and spoke about the rubber mm -hmm. uh, in the, the mulch. Mm -hmm. And do you, I'm not, I don't well, get the concept. There's different sorts of rubber, and I've heard stories about people using rubber from shredded tires and all sorts of other chemicals because it's vulcanized rubber, and it's treated with all sorts of things that I don't know very much about. Mm -hmm. I'm wondering if there's a better material to use for mulch than rubber. Well, the, the rubber mulch that I found online here is used for playgrounds, so it, it can't be very toxic. I assume that, it's, that it wouldn't be toxic. Um, and uh, but I can't really see where it says anything. Uh, you know, they said that the well, even Michelle Obama used it in the White House playground. <laughs> uh, has a reputation for superior safety, quality, and service. Uh, so anyway, um, I'm I've tried to see if there was anything toxic in it just right away. But my first impression is that it's the the rubber mulches. Um, is not toxic. It doesn't say that it's a bunch of shredded tires here either. I'm not sure whether it's a. Uh, um, so I think I think you're on the safe side. But I'll, I'll take another look at it and report back next week, and see see make sure that it's safe for for the garden. Our final thoughts from uh, Peter Burke coming up right after this word from our sponsor. It's planting time, and Jail Branch Greenhouse has everything you'll need to make your garden the best ever. The greenhouse is full of colorful annuals, violas, veggie starts, herbs, onion sets, and so much more. There's a lot to love at Jail Branch. Here's Sandy. I'm here for flowers because I love to have a variety of colors of flowers all around. There's so many choices, so many beautiful colors. If wants something and it's not here, she orders it. It's just the most accommodating, beautiful place that I could ever buy plants. And they were so healthy, the plants. And also, her prices are very, very good, which I always forget. I don't even think about price when I come here, and then I'm always amazed when I haven't spent as much as I thought I should have. I arranged my life, I did today, to come here and not go somewhere else. I love everything about it. At Jail Branch, you'll find everything from trees and perennials to compost and soils. See their ad in the world. Jail Branch is open every day on Route 302 between Barry and East Barry. Time now for our closing thoughts in the garden for this Saturday afternoon. And uh, Peter, what's on your mind today? Well, there's a couple of things, and, and this is just to go back to the planting sets again. And uh, one of the things that I've always done is I actually put uh, my sets in a slight depression, a little cup. And w w the reason I do that is that my plants... If there's a little cup there, when I pour the water on, it actually drains down onto the root system. If you leave it level or flat or even slightly hilled, it'll roll off to the side. 
And so by having that cup, just a, you know, it might be half inch, three quarter or something like that, but just enough of a depression all the way around that when you water, and I usually use a, a plastic cup and a, and a five gallon bucket to water, you pour that in there and it goes right directly down onto the root system of your set. And that's a, a, a I've found that it's the best way to take care of your sets. And also it leaves all of the rest of the soil around the plant dry and less likely to to grow um, to grow weed seeds that's one and the other is i know it's it seems like it's really tempting to get those great big long big two-foot tomato plants but in fact when you're buying your tomato sets you really want them to be uh, somewhere between uh, uh, six and ten inches you don't really want them too much larger than that unless you're growing them in a container and you know i've seen some of those uh, uh, you know, at, at both places that I went where they have the container and they're already up to about 18, 20 inches. But for the most part, you want it slightly smaller. So if you have a an 8-inch tomato plant or a 10-inch tomato plant, you're going to put about 6 inches under the soil. You're going to clip all the leaves off, put it under the soil about 6 inches, and then leave the rest on the top. Now, if you've actually grown your own, which it does tend to happen, is you, you end up with this 18-inch tomato plant. So rather than... Then, then dig a hole down 18 inches or whatever, you know, 14 inches, um, uh, lay them on their side and put them in a six inch deep trench. And that way that will encourage the root growth on that stem. If you put them in a in an 18 inch hole, it, it, it's too deep and too cold there to encourage the root growth. So, you know, what I'll do is I lay them down and then I tip them up. Well, when you tip them up, I've found that, and unfortunately, it's just to my horror, I've actually snapped the, the tomato plant when I tipped them up. But I found, completely by accident, that if I lay the sets down in the beginning of the day, that they actually, in a short period of time, in a couple of hours, they actually start to pick their head up and start to tip up for me. So when I've, I lay that stem in the trench, they've already, you know, turned their head up. And it makes it uh, uh, the transplanting a lot easier. It makes it a lot more effective. And I guess that's my those are my tips for <laughs> for transplanting for now. And again, there's a lot more information online in the uh, in the monologue that's written up. And for those folks who are just joining us today, uh, the show is over unfortunately. But yep. you can hear this program <laughs> on wdevradio.com on our podcast, which will be posted on our website shortly. Peter, thanks so much for yep. uh, for it's hosting been fun. the show. It has been a fun and yep. fast hour here <laughs> on WDEV <laughs> FM and AM. Inch by inch, row by row, gonna make this garden grow. All it takes is a rake and a hoe and a piece of fertile ground. In the Garden with Peter Burke has been brought to you today by the Willie's Store, your True Value Hardware Store near Caspian Lake in Greensboro. Clausen's Florist Greenhouse and Perennial Farm, your full-service florist with over 40 houses in Colchester. Clausen's.com. Guy's Farm and Yard, your neighborhood community feed, grain, animal, and yard store. 
Locations in Morrisville, Montpelier, St. Albans, and Williston, guysfarmandyard.com. Buy, grow, compost, soils, mulches, and so much more on Route 2 and Waterbury, growcompost.com. Buy PR Lumber, your local lumber store on Route 15 in Wolcott. Menards Agway, your yard, garden, and pet place on Brooklyn Street, Morrisville. Blossom Cottage Florist, top quality flower arrangements and more on Route 302 in Barrie. And Taste of the North, online at tasteofthenorth.com. Linda's Apparel, bursting with vibrant colors, stylish accessories, sparkling jewelry, and the most captivating collections of ladies' fashions around Main Street in Virgins. Jail Branch Greenhouse, perennials, annuals, soils, and more on Route 302 in Barrie. And your locally owned Agway store. Seeds and feeds and a whole lot more on Route 2 in Montpelier. Saturdays at 1230 here on WDEV FM and AM in the garden with Peter Burke and the podcast at WDEVradio.com. Someone bless these seeds I sow. Someone